Flashback flicks. Hero or menace? Front page. We have to go back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we're going to review a movie that some would say is the anti-venom to all of your venom. It's Spider-Man. We're we're reviewing Spider-Man. 2002 Spider-Man. The original, the amazing Mm -hmm. Spider-Man. But not the amazing Spider-Man. Right. Sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, A homecoming of Spider-Man. Too many. No, it's actually far from homecoming. It's... (laughs) Uh, Too many titles. We are living in a Spider-Man renaissance, it feels like. So whether Venom was coming out or not, we were were due. Because we also have uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse coming out pretty Mm -hmm. soon, relatively soon. Oh, yeah, like hitting December, and we also just had the Spider-Man on PS4, which really, really is just uh, the unofficial Spider-Man 4 movie. I'm saying it. Yeah. Never has a game made me wish so badly that we were a video game podcast (laughs) and not a retro film podcast. Uh, It's just so good. But it's a great time to be a Spider-Man fan. So we're going to talk about the 2002. Although, Ricky, in preparation for this, I did sit down and watch all three of the originals. You watched all two of the original Spider-Man movies? (laughs) Oh, no. I, I I made it a trilogy. And, wow. Uh, I watched them all in one sitting. So if I veer into some of the sequels, because uh, there is stuff about the third Spider-Man that changes the reality of the first Spider-Man that we'll be oh. talking about. Yeah, that I had right. totally forgotten about. They kind of pull a saw and be like, you only thought you knew the truth. <laughs> uh, so I will be here for that support. But yes, it is it is quite a journey to go all the way back to when Chad Kroger was was giving his musical support to the Spider-Man universe. Oh, it was a simpler time. It was a simpler time. Before we go into our review of the 2002 movie, let's take a look back at the tangled web that is the making of this Spider-Man movie. So they've been trying to make a Spider-Man movie since 1985. Mm. Originally, Canon Films acquired the movie rights uh, from Marvel for $250,000, which is pretty cheap. But after several studios just really couldn't make a Spider-Man movie like good because in 1985, the only really big superhero franchise was Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Canon made a pass at it, couldn't make it work. 21st Century made a pass at it. Uh, and both the studios tried it with different villains. Um, one had Dr. Octavius as the villain. One had um, Electro. Um, when Spider-Man made his way to MGM, James Cameron almost made Spider-Man. Like, he wow. almost made Spider-Man, uh, like, right after Terminator. They're like, hey, so what do you want to do? I want to make a Spider-Man movie. Uh, so that almost happened, but neither one of them ended up making it. And then the rights went back to Marvel, and... Then Marvel, during a time of bankruptcy and its uh, time, they started selling off their properties, which is why we have that whole fragmentation of different studios having different Marvel characters. As we all know, 20th Century had X-Men and Sony, a.k.a. Columbia, uh, had Spider-Man. And so we now land here 
with Sony's version of Spider-Man, uh, which was directed by Mr. Darkman himself, Sam Raimi, also known for his work in uh, The Evil Dead, which also explains several of the cameos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just really had a blast making this movie. As if you will remember, back in the Darkman days, he made the original film Darkman because he really badly wanted to make his own Batman film. And... Then he finally got asked to do Spider-Man. Uh, and at the time, Spider-Man was so revolutionary, you guys. Like, it it broke a ton of records. With a budget of $138 million, it made $821 million. Dang. Now, to give you perspective, as of 2002, that movie made $100 million its opening weekend. You know what other movie had done that? Previously, we're back a dinosaur story. <laughs> you guessed it. Oh, got First it. Try. No, no movie, Grayson. No other oh. movie at that point in time had ever made a hundred million dollars opening weekend. You know who it beat in box office records in its opening weekend? We're back a dinosaur story. Second try. I love the enthusiasm. Harry Potter. It Whoa. beat out Harry Potter in its opening box office. Like, that's how big of a movie Spider-Man was. Like, in in the graphics and everything were, at its point in time, mind-blowing. The special effects done by Industrial Lights and Magic was so good that it fooled people into thinking that that was actually Tobey Maguire. Just swinging around like, he is so limber. I can't (laughs) believe it. This movie was huge. And without it, we would not have... So much of the world of Marvel in any kind of cinematic form. In fact, it did so well, if you'll remember in our Daredevil episode, that they were in production for Daredevil while Spider-Man was in theaters. And they gave Daredevil more money Mm -hmm. to make that movie. And every other franchise from there on has so much of Spider-Man to thank for it. Yeah. I mean, I'd be willing to say that without this Spider-Man, we would not have had Spider-Man 2. Bold statement, Grayson. That's a bold statement. I'm going to stand by it. Maybe (laughs) Spider-Man 3, but definitely not 2. And a couple other fun facts I have for you. Um, And I would like to put this disclaimer. This movie has a ton of extra features. I watched it on Blu-ray. Humble brag, because that's the only way to watch Spider-Man is on a (laughs) Sony device on Blu-ray. Um and there, I couldn't even make it through all the extra features. Uh, but there's more information out there. We're not going to be able to get to all of it. But here are some of my favorite fun facts. Sam Raimi originally intended to shoot all new material on the sequence uh, early in the film where Peter Parker has fever, added nightmare, dream uh, after he gets bit by the radioactive spider. Mm-hmm. But due to budgetary complaints, Sam Raimi said, well... Let's just use some shots from the opening scene of the movie and a couple from Darkman, the 1990 superhero film. So there are like scenes from Darkman in (laughs) Peter Parker's like fever dream. Oh, wow. Which uh, I'm going to use headcanon early. Darkman is the fever dream of Peter Parker. (laughs) It's confirmed. Holds up. Yeah. You're welcome. And that's crazy that he made Darkman because he wanted to make a Batman movie because what he ultimately did was create a scene where Liam Neeson is guiding a hero to become 
what he's destined to be. Oh uh, my so gosh. So in a way, he did make a Batman movie. In a way, Sam Raimi wrote Batman Begins. Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah. And one of my favorite fun facts about this movie uh, that I remember from back when this movie originally was released, uh, the scene in which Peter Parker catches Mary Jane's lunch tray was not CGI. They said, we're going to do it live. Uh, they basically used uh, sticky substances so that uh, anytime something would land, it would stick firmly. And it took them 156 takes. He performed the stunt exactly as seen. He might really be Spider-Man then. Uh, yeah, I've been trying to say this for years. Wow. They saved a lot of money on CGI by just hiring Spider-Man. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, and maybe my favorite fun fact is uh, Hugh Jackman revealed uh, in an interview that he was supposed to have a brief cameo as Wolverine because Wolverine did come out before Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, and Hugh Jackman actually showed up in New York City to film the scene. But the entire plan was scrapped because the crew couldn't get access to the Wolverine costume. That's why we didn't get a Wolverine cameo. Wardrobe! But why? So, is it the claws? Because he was able to make a cameo in X-Men First Class without <laughs> the claws. He's just sitting at the bar. Like, Wolverine's look is like 90% Hugh Jackman's face. Yeah. And, like, you know hair gel it, so but it wasn't because of the the fox sony problem nope wardrobe wow. <laughs> at that the very least according to the internet makes me mad <laughs> uh one thing you might notice in this film is that it is filled with not only cameos but actors that i didn't know i could name off the top of my head until i saw them for example flash thompson was okay. played by by joe manganello I'm just like, is that yeah. Joe Maggot? That's not Joe Maggot. That's Joe Maggot. And then I was convinced. I was like, oh, is Betty being played by Evangeline Lilly? And then I looked it up. I'm like, that's Evangeline Lilly. And I was like, no, that's Elizabeth Banks. And then I realized Elizabeth Banks is just a brunette hair job away from being able to be a passable Evangeline Lilly. Yeah, it's Evangeline Lilly's hair for sure. <sighs> Oh, and then, I mean, you just have so many other people. I mean, like Octavia Spencer. Oh, my gosh. You have Octavia yeah. Spencer. You have Oscar winner Octavia Spencer. This is the second time she's done that to us on the podcast where she just shows up in a movie where you did not expect her. She was in Never Been Kissed. Yep. And then she's taking tickets at the wrestling match in this. Oh, you have Randy Savage, Macho Man Randy Savage. Bone sauce ready. <laughs> and Bruce Campbell, of course, who yep. also makes a cameo in one of the greatest Spider-Man games ever made, Spider-Man 2. Uh, he is the narrator. He guides you through. Mm. He is your hey, listen guide throughout the whole game. And none other than Bill Nunn, also from Sister Act. Yeah. And Do the Right Thing. I mean, it's just real. And also... uh jk simmons who is just a gift to everyone ever but yes so those are all the uh history fun facts that we have and now let's go ahead and dive back to our recollection grayson yeah. of when we first watched spider-man mm. i mean it was in theaters for me for oh, sure yeah. Oh, yeah uh maybe twice in theaters and then several times on 
uh, home video systems after that. But mm-hmm. it had actually been a while since I sat down and watched the first one again. Because Spider-Man 2 and 3, I had only seen once. I yeah. saw Spider-Man 2 in college, and I saw Spider-Man 3 also in college. But like, I only saw them the one time, and then that was it. But this first one, I, I rewatched uh, a lot. Uh, not as much as I rewatched a lot of the X-Men movies, but... Uh, this this first one definitely I remembered more about it than I thought I would, but I remembered well, way less of the Aunt May scenes than I thought I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was fun to rediscover that, and knowing just how different Aunt May has been interpreted in these remakes, it was pretty great to see uh, this incarnation of Aunt May. Um, but it's way different. Um, the biggest thing. I forgot how much crying is in this movie. Yes. So many tears. I would say that there's probably as much as Tom Holland laughs in the new one, there are tears (laughs) in this one, Um, which Uh. really is like the biggest tone shift, I I think, in the evolution. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. There's a place for it. It's as dark as I guess you want to get with this story. But I just did not remember that much crying not as much crying in the second one like buckets in the third one yeah yeah and i just didn't remember that i i guess i was like imprinting more of the the tom holland personality retroactively in my mind where it's like no he really isn't like quipping that much and he really kind of hates being spider-man most of the time um and he's like gonna get evicted and like all this business eventually, yeah. like once he gets his own place. But I, uh, yeah, I just didn't remember that. I have so many memories. So one of the biggest things for me, my introduction to Spider-Man was from the Fox Kids TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I heard that there was a movie, and my first recollection of the movie, um, they did a promo. And I feel like we might have talked about this before on the podcast, but they did a promo, and it was uh, early two thousand one. Um, of Spider-Man catching um, a runaway chopper in between the Twin Towers. Um, And that was like the big promo for Spider-Man. I was like, they're making a Spider-Man movie. I'm excited. But then after 9-11, they stopped showing that. They stopped showing that teaser trailer for obvious reasons. Sure. Um, But that's my first recollection of seeing Spider-Man. And then watching the movie, I'm like, Guys, they can make comic book movies. Like I it was it blew my mind because it was it was Spider-Man. And I I loved it so much that they actually did a uh a, something that they don't do nearly enough nowadays, but they did a animated series based on the movie uh and it was a live or not live action. It was a a computer animated television series um and loose uh continuity with the film and it was playing on mtv and it starred neil patrick harris as the voice of spider-man whoa Uh, and i watched that a ton because basically i just needed more spider-man in my life uh and the movie was just so good i remember distinctly uh that i own spider-man on vhs like i have that movie on vhs uh and i actually forgot this fun fact VHS sales for Spider-Man mm-hmm. by July 2004 was $89 million. Yikes. DVD was $338 million. 
But, you know, Spider-Man purists own it on VHS. Fight me. At Flashback Flicks. Um, and, th- yeah, this movie was one of my favorite movies. Like, I, I just, I, like, found my love for Spider-Man again um, later on with the spectacular Spider-Man animated series. Um, but this movie really made me do what most Marvel movies make a lot of people do, which is dive into the comic book world. Yeah. Uh, it was only after the movie that I said, I need to read more about Spider-Man. And I learned so much about uh, Peter Parker as like a character and all like his whole like appeal. Like I, I'm just going to gush over Spider-Man just throughout this. But I this movie to me, even with Tom Holland is one of the still holds up today as one of the best iterations of Spider-Man because uh, ever since the amazing Spider-Man came out, a lot of people were saying, Oh, this Spider-Man is way better than the Sam Raimi one. I was like, no, no, no here. Let me hear me out. The Sam Raimi Spider-Man tells a near flawless Peter Parker story. Like you have like, and we spend most of our time with Peter Parker. The thing I completely forgot is that like, we don't see a ton of Spider-Man. Like he dresses, he like suits up as Spider-Man a total, even in in his wrestler costume, a total of four times throughout the movie. Mm. Like that's it. Um, Comparatively, like, you know, if if that were to happen today with the superhero movie, like like, people would be angry. Yeah, like boo! Like that was everyone's complaint with uh, Eric Bana Hulk movie. Is that like he doesn't even turn into the Hulk until like forty minutes into the movie? I'm like, oh yeah, well he doesn't turn into Spider Man until well after an hour. It's an hour of movie before he even like suits up as Spider Man. It's because Sam Raimi is interested in telling the story of Peter Parker, and you need to know who Peter Parker is in order to appreciate who Spider Man is. Uh, and I'll save a lot of my other stuff for my reasons to recommend, but uh, I I just loved rewatching this movie because I don't think I've watched it since I've watched it on VHS back in 2003. Mm. <laughs> I didn't realize um, how much Uncle Ben we saw. Like, yeah. like you just have like a, a, a scene with Aunt May and Uncle Ben. And I felt like I was like watching a stage play of like an old couple. I was just like, is this a deleted scene from Death of a Salesman? <laughs> like, it's just like, uh, oh, even the computers need computers. Ah, you know, life. I'm just like, oh, oh, no, we haven't seen them as a couple in so long. Is this the oh. live action Lockhorn movie? <laughs> <laughs> like, Uncle Ben was like so great. And I just love that. And the transitions in this movie. Oh, oh man, yeah. Sam Raimi's vision for his transitions. I just, huh. They did one transition that I made a note of where it's the webbing on his suit and it dissolves into a crosswalk on the street. It's like, you know that that was one of their favorites. Yes. It is very well done. Oh, yeah. Another distinct memory I have um, is, fun fact, the action figures. I remember buying this Spider-Man action figure because nowadays they kind of do it sparingly or with like the uh, Marvel Legends. But Mm -hmm. the Spider-Man action figure was legit. Like his fingers could articulate. You could move his body in all these different ways. I played with that so much as a kid. And... One of the things that uh, resurfaced recently on the internet that people pointed out is that they have a movie-accurate 
action figure set where it is Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin mask, and the chair. The chair, that big giant velvety chair. Oh. You can buy that as an action figure. Uh so those are uh, some other like fond memories I had with that Spider-Man because like, man, it was just incredible because we, as like, uh, you know, uh, early two thousands, uh, pre-ish teen, uh, man, did I relate to Peter Parker so much? Uh, I was such a dork. Uh, and I didn't realize how much of a dork <laughs> Peter Parker was. Yeah. Toby McGuire is a gift. He is so awkward, and I love it. Like there is times where I'm just like, I need to stop watching this movie. This scene is too uncomfortable. Yeah, the, some <laughs> of the so high school good. scenes, especially when Harry walks up, I'm like, oh man, I might be watching Freaks and Geeks right now. <laughs> Goodness, and also the movie like moves at like fast pace while they're in the spider exhibit they're telling you all the spider-man's powers oh yeah like, so th- here's this spider did you know that spiders could like spin webs that it's like 10 times the tensile strength i'm like oh oh take notes audience you're about to see all these things like this is what we call a classic setup and payoff so that like when all these other things are happening you're not like but wait a second why did they already told you they told you at the very beginning and yeah. And even to the point where, like, oh, just the sound design of that fight between him um, with Spider-Man and Green Goblin when he's, like, cutting through the web and it sounds like steel is being, like, broken. I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is incredible. Like, they just – this was just – so much love was thrown into this movie. And it felt like – not since Scott Pilgrim versus the world have I seen a movie that is literally a comic book shoved into the screen yeah yeah that's true and i love uh danny elfman's score for this um but that scene that you're talking about with the the sound effects there's no music for that scene it is what it would sound like if you're standing next to them and i i think a lot of that plays to that comic book mentality as well as you don't you don't get a backing track when you're reading this so it should feel like the story has come to life on screen um, but yeah, lots of details. Uh, you, I got the feeling watching this of being like, I kept writing down names that they were referencing, being like, I know that has a deeper meaning. Like they were thinking in that MCU style before the MCU was ever a thing that they were like, oh, every detail could be something that spins off another character. Like mentioning that Dr. Connors exists. He becomes a character in future incarnations and yep. future the, the sequels after that. Um, So you can tell that the people who made this loved the source material, and uh, that's contagious to the audience as well. But Grayson, yeah, watching this movie, I got really inspired to create my own superhero. Oh, yeah? Can you guess what its name is? Greg. (sighs) Grayson, you are just on fire. It's like you have some kind of spidey sense or something. I'm really impressed. Well, you know, with great podcasts (laughs) come great responsibility. It is Greg, but Greg has a sidekick. His name is Head Cannon. Whoa, you got Greg in the Head Cannon? <laughs> Greg and Head Cannon coming this cannon. fall to ABC. <laughs> head Cannon, Head Cannon does whatever Head Cannon does. 
Did you know it does this? Share unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Hey there, here comes Greg and the headcanon. <laughs> Working theme song. So I know I said the headcanon about uh, Darkman being a fever dream. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my biggest piece of headcanon, which I think really does just hold up really, really well. That this exists in its own universe uh, where Singular Wireless is still uh, the dominant uh, cell phone Mm. provider. Because I saw a big old Singular Wireless ad and I was like, I know what that is. Oh no. I've aged. That is a very uh, specific corner of the Spider-Verse. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. So my headcanon takes it the other way. And I believe that this is the movie that connects Marvel to DC. Um, whenever he's trying to get his webs to work, one of the code words he uses is Shazam. Um, I don't think he read it in a comic book, even though we established later that he does read comic books. I think that that is a hero in New York, uh, that he is around. Um, and Aunt May also makes the comment of you're not Superman, you know, uh, not referring to it in a comic sense, just could be. This guy he read about in the news, um, which would mean that J. Jonah Jameson is Commissioner Gordon's cousin. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I think there's a way to like this could be a bridge because they never they never discredit it as being a comic like it could be real. Um, and then to connect it to a different corner of the Marvel Universe, my secondary headcanon is that Norman Osborn and Charles Xavier have the same interior decorated. <laughs> Just dark stained wood, antique chairs. Oh, I love that. Well, you actually just launched a series of equations of headcanon in my head. With the reference to Superman and Up, Up, and Away Web, Shazam, my headcanon is that DC is the fictional world in this universe. And Marvel is real and it would work vice versa. So like in the Batman universe, they're not reading comics about Batman. They're reading comics about Spider-Man, about this guy. And so like they're just a flipped universe where the the existence of the other is fiction. Hmm. Although Logan does have comics about him in the X-Men universe. Because remember he says like half of it's not true or didn't happen that way i i agree though i i think that it could be the the fictionalized version of it uh because they do have comic books what are they reading novels just just text there's no (laughs) illustration anywhere (laughs) headcanon there's there's a lot to pull from there which means if, if it's real though if if the dc characters are actually real people in this universe then that probably means Flash Thompson grows up to be Deathstroke. Ho, 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 ho. He did not do well for himself. Wow. Now we're going to swing into recast and remake. Recast, remake. If this movie were to be made today, uh, who'd you cast? What would the storyline be? Uh, I would love for them to remake this exact movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Change almost nothing. Yeah. Um, 
but I would love to see a little bit of backstory. Before Tom Holland was cast as Peter Parker in the official MCU, there's another actor who campaigned for the role, uh, and he even shot his own uh, short, basically, playing Peter Parker and showing some of the stunts and some of his range and being able to act and also be Spider-Man. Uh, Josh Hutcherson. Oh, yeah. I could you might know that. him as Pita Malark. Uh, and ever since I saw him in that, I was like, oh, yeah, why is it not him? And then, you know, Tom Holland showed up and just did a backflip on his audition tape. And it's like, all right, so um, anything else? I um been on Broadway for years. Um, He's English, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> okay, yeah. good. English in that specific accent. He's the other English Tom H in the right. MCU. Yeah. Okay, good. Just want to make sure I wasn't getting the two mixed up. Uh, yeah. No, that's good. I don't know how I would remake the story if I did. One thing that I wish we got to see on film was Mysterio. In oh. no incarnations have we really gotten a Mysterio. And I think he's such an interesting character. And you can do a lot of like false reality perception stuff with that. So if they did remake it, it'd be like, okay, I think we're due. Um, is he going to be in far from home? Yeah. Great. Looking forward to it. But for this one, yeah, I mean, it would, it would be great to have uh, more of the Spider-Man villains um, to play Spider-Man to recast it. I'd have Nathan Gould. Um, I don't know oh, yeah. what he's really been in, but uh, I really, uh, like him as an actor. I think he would be great. And uh, for Norman Osborn, Willem Dafoe is amazing in this. That's actually what I remember most about this movie is just Willem Dafoe being super creepy and excellent. I think another actor that could have that same kind of punch is Gary Oldman. Oh. Um, I think he could transform into it. Yeah. Uh, so that would be probably my my primaries. Get me everyone. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know for Mary Jane. Um, I was thinking Allison Brie. Oh yeah. Oh man. You know what? We could just finally make it happen for me and my dreams. Donald Glover, Spider Man. Let's just, <laughs> let's just do it. Make it happen. I would also love it if they did a series, like a mm -hmm. Netflix series for Spider Man, where literally. It's 50%. It's like a 15 minute episode or it's a half hour series where 15 minutes of the episode is Peter Parker's life. And the other 15 is just all Spider-Man. Like, I think that that would be so interesting because Peter Parker lives like such a polar opposite life of Spider-Man. And the, it's the duality um, that makes, I think, Spider-Man such an interesting character. Yeah. Um, and so that would be really cool to see a show just take that on. Like you have like basically a Riverdale. Riverdale? What? What did I just say? You just around the Riverdale. <laughs> you have a Riverdale esque kind of like drama happening on one end, and then you have like this action adventure show happening on the other half of the program and i think that that would be so interesting and you can just yeah. see different things like oh this is how this plays into this i think that would just be a ton of fun yeah i think it'd be interesting to have a limited series maybe it's locked down to like eight to ten episodes and they do it vantage point style where there are so many interesting characters but have it to where their stories are all leading up to a final confrontation but like you get 
you get maybe one or two with Spider-Man. You get some with J. Jonah Jameson, Black Cat, like you, Gwenpool even. Like you could throw them all in there. Yes. Um, and just have them all converge. But that way you're able to showcase different characters that will probably never get their own movie, yeah. um, but have them all uh, featured in some way, which is why I'm excited for Into the Spider-Verse because I feel like we'll get a good taste of that as well. Like oh, yeah. All the different types. Yeah, I would love it so much if they did a series that basically acted as the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. but for Spider-Man, and it's mm. just called The Bugle. Oh, um, yeah. And it's just... Wr- written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> yes! <gasps> that would be so good! <laughs> oh, man, I just think that that would be so great. And you cannot get anyone other than J.K. Simmons. Like, to, like he... Like, never have I seen anyone take on such an iconic role than, like, since, you know, Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. Like, yeah. J.K. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson. You cannot convince me otherwise. Yeah, and if you really want a lot of fun, there's a great movie where you can see J. Jonah Jameson just completely torture Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, just, it's a blast. All right, now we're going to go into our final segment of the show where we give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would mm-hmm. you recommend the 2002 Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man? Well, I feel like if everything else we've shared here uh, can't convince you to see it, there's really one other recommendation I can make to push you over the line. And that this is, I'm going to dare to say, this is the only movie oh. ever. Okay. Where you get to hear the line, let's hear it for Macy Gray. (laughs) I rest my case. I would recommend this movie for several reasons. I love Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man because he is one of those heroes that is different from a lot of the other superheroes. Because... Whereas you have Superman, who has all these this great power, um, and when he is in Superman, he gets to be himself. But then when he's Clark Kent, he's basically cosplaying as like a normal everyday human. Yeah. Then you have Batman, who you know wears his like, he has his money, his gadgets, and he's all he's kind of on the same mission with Spider Man. He's just trying to like inspire fear so that like crime doesn't have to happen again. Peter Parker is unique because he's a kid who created Spider-Man as everything that he imagines what a hero is. Mm-hmm. When he is Spider-Man, he gets to be what he thinks is cool. Like, that's why he's yeah. quippy because he's like smart out. He's like, Oh yeah. Like I'm going to be just like the people in my comics. I'm going to say jokes and quips and one liners and this, that, the other, like he embodies this, thing and even in the marvel universe uh where he is you know with other superheroes he's trying to be like them yeah because who he is is just really a regular guy who does have great power and therefore great responsibility to quote shakespeare some are born great some rise to greatness and some have greatness thrust upon them and that Last one is Peter Parker. He has greatness thrust upon him. His biggest aspiration is to have his bills paid and to do science stuff. He's not trying to get rich. He's not like Tony Stark trying to completely change how the world and technology 
is like exists and like he's not trying to do anything like super like groundbreaking like that he's just trying to do the thing that he loves the most and protect the people he loves the most and that is why i love spider-man so much and i think that this movie does a good job of showing the duality of spider-man because no matter how hard peter parker tries he can't manage his life as peter parker and spider-man it's a challenge even the end of this movie made me i i audibly awed because mary jane in a move that i haven't seen in many movies she says she confesses her love to peter parker and he says i can be your friend that's what i've got yeah i don't have more and he walks away from this girl he's been pining for for the last two hours my heart was broken and then it just says peter parker will return in (laughs) spider-man into the friend zone I mean, this movie is just filled with emotion and it shows you that superhero movies um, don't have to be one note. Before Dark Knight, this was the superhero movie that set the tone for other superhero movies, as well as X-Men did. Yes, it was a little bit darker um, and a little bit more mature. Spider-Man showed that you can be true to a character without having to have it be um super dark or super bright like spider-man i think is just like the sam raimi spider-man is like right in the middle it is tragic it is dramatic but it is fun and you are like cheering in your seat for it balanced as all things should be oh no don't do that crazy uh, but no, seriously, I I love Spider-Man, and I think that this movie does a good job at showing um, or is a good representation of what Spider-Man is, which yeah. is about a kid who has this incredible, amazing, spectacular thing happen to him and him just trying to deal with it. Yeah. While still living a normal everyday life, like he doesn't have a penthouse to go to. My favorite thing about Spider-Man is that he has bills to pay. Yeah. And he doesn't and he's not able to do it well because he's out saving the world. And yeah. I just love this Spider-Man for that reason, because it doesn't diminish the Peter Parker side of Spider-Man. In fact, mm-hmm. it enhances and focuses 90% of the movie on it because you don't have a good Spider-Man story without a compelling Peter Parker. And that's yeah. why I recommend this movie. And that is our review of the 2002 Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Let us know what you remember about Spider-Man on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And uh, it would mean a lot to us if you could give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, give it a five-star rating if you think that this review was spectacular. Uh, actually, instead of stars, on a scale of one to five, J. Jonah Jameson's. Uh, five is the best. You can't improve upon that. One, still pretty good. Like, if you give us a one-star rating for this specific episode, I mean, it, it would be terrible in our actual rankings, but... I wouldn't take it personally. One J. Jonah Jameson is amazing. Five stars. Constellation on the web. (laughs) And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. 
Hey, Grayson, do you know what they call a bad cheeseburger in France? They don't call it a bad cheeseburger? No, at McDonald's, you know what they call it? What's that? They call it bad times at the El Royale with cheese. Okay. <laughs> okay. Starring John Ham, right? <laughs> yes. Got some ham and cheese going on. Wait a minute. What are we actually watching? Pulp Fiction. Oh. Do you know what they call Pulp Fiction in France? What? I think it's just Pulp Fiction because it's a proper name. Actually, let's just see. I think it's uh, Pulp Fiction in France. Fiction de Pulp. Ah, yes. Uh, It's called a Fiction Pupis. Excuse me? You get that Tarantino language out of here. (laughs) 